and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I'm broadcasting from WOUF Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a great podcast lined up for you. First today, it's going to be a segment about service, emotional support, and therapy dogs. Kind of the differentiating factors between them, some of the laws and rules governing them, and we go into a little more detail on that. Then we're going to have our breed of the week, followed by our guest spot. And today's guest is an old client of mine from a couple years ago, Cheryl Woodham. And we really had an awesome conversation today, and she just had some very good points about the training process and working with me and working with her dogs and it was fantastic so be sure you check that out then after that we're going to have a new segment called dog hero and that segment's going to either be about a dog that's been a hero or maybe a person that's been a hero to a dog then we're going to finish everything off today with the listener q a if you guys have any questions for the listener q a be sure you email me questions at speakadogcast.com If you haven't already clicked that subscribe button, go ahead and do so. And of course, leave me a review, a rating. Would love to know what you're thinking. So stick around. Great podcast lined up, and I hope you enjoy. Next on Speak Dogcast, it's all about service, emotional support, and therapy dogs. Yes, there are three distinctions between all of those, and we're going to talk about all three of them individually today. But before we do, first let's talk about the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, Those of you unfamiliar, I'm just going to read it straight off of their website. The Americans with Disabilities Act became law law in 1990. The ADA is a civil rights law that prohibits discrimination against individuals with disabilities in all areas of public life, including jobs, schools, transportation, and all public and private places that are open to the general public. The purpose of the law is to make sure that people with disabilities have the same rights and opportunities as everyone else. So suffice it to say, the ADA was created to provide rights and same equal opportunities uh, to people with disabilities. Now, the ADA also covers service animals, service dogs, and the guiding lines, rules, and laws that uh, define it. So let's get right into it. Let's start with a service dog, a service animal, the term service animal. What's it defined as? Well, it's defined as dogs that are individually trained to work or perform tasks for people with disabilities. Examples of such work or tasks include guiding people who are blind, alerting people who are deaf, pulling a wheelchair, alerting and protecting a person who is having a seizure, reminding a person with mental illness to take prescribed medications, calming a person with PTSD during an anxiety attack, or performing other duties. Service animals are working animals, not pets. The work or task a dog has been trained to provide must be directly related to the person's disability. Dogs whose sole function is to provide comfort or emotional support does or do not qualify as service animals under the ADA. Now, that last sentence there, uh, that's going to go into the emotional support dog side. So it's important. I'm going to reread that. Dogs whose sole function is to provide comfort or emotional support do not qualify as service animals under the ADA. That is an emotional support dog, and we're going to talk more about that in a few minutes. But really what this is defining a service dog as is the dog has to perform a task or a service in order to be considered a service dog. I can already hear some of you out there going, well, David, didn't you just say PTSD? If there's someone having a PTSD and has PTSD and they're having an anxiety attack, 
isn't there a dog counted as a service dog? Well, yes. And there's there's a little, uh, actually, a question and answer session on, or a question and answer session, excuse me, question and answer page on the ADA's website. And I'm going to read one of those questions. Now, the question says, if someone's dog calms them while having an anxiety attack, doesn't this qualify it, or does this qualify it as a service animal? Now, the ADA's response is, it depends. The ADA makes a distinction between psychiatric service animals and emotional support animals. If the dog has been trained to sense that an anxiety attack is about to happen or about to take place, uh, then they can actually take a specific action to help avoid the attack or lessen its impact. That would qualify as a service animal. So again, if the dog is actually providing a task, they can sense the person's going to have an anxiety attack and they can actually go and redirect that person or perform some task or service again, um, then it's still considered a service animal because it's performing that task. It's not just there to be pet and make a person feel better. It actually has a job. It actually is a working animal. And that's what makes it under the definition of a service dog. So again, service dogs are covered under the federal law of the ADA. And it very plainly states the dog has to perform a service or a task in order to be considered as such. Okay. So that's, that's kind of the black and white side of a service animal. Now, that's a service animal, right? We just talked about, okay, so let's talk about the emotional support dog. Now, emotional support dog flat out states in the ADA law, emotional support dogs are not recognized and covered by the ADA law. Okay, that's really important that you understand that. On the federal level, there are no laws governing and protecting an emotional support dog. Now, with that said, each individual state does have their own laws. Some states don't have any laws and they yield to the ADA and the federal regulations. Some states do have laws that actually regulate emotional support dogs and that distinction between emotional support and service dog. Florida happens to be one of those states now. Uh, just this year, it was actually passed July 1st, or excuse me, going, went into effect July 1st, 2020. There are new rules and regulations governing an emotional support animal. And what they've done is is they're attempting to provide more structure rules and regulations to emotional support animals so there are less people taking advantage of the system. Here's the sad reality, guys. You all know it. People everywhere try to take advantage of service dogs and emotional support dog laws, okay? I can't tell you how many times I have run into it where I have clients straight up ask me, I want to make my dog an emotional support dog so I can take it on vacation with me. It's literally the reason. Now, some of you may not like what I'm about to say, and I don't care. Because I'm right. <laughs> I know I'm right here, and you are wrong if you think otherwise. If you think it's okay to get your dog certified as a service dog or an emotional support animal, so you can bring it with you on an airplane, so you can bring it with you on vacation, you are wrong. You should not be doing that for so many reasons. And you know what the easiest reason is? is you're taking advantage of someone with disabilities by doing that. You are. Um, unfortunately, by... By, by trying to skirt those rules, by trying to make it about you, you actually make it more difficult for somebody who needs that service animal or emotional support dog. You're making it harder for them. So to me, you're taking advantage of someone with a disability, and that is not right. That's messed up, right? I would hope, <laughs> I would hope everybody listening would think that's pretty messed up. So I, I really implore you to think twice. Please think twice if you are thinking you want to skirt the rules. Now, here's the really nice thing about the state of Florida now. With this change of rules, um, they've made it so there are great 
legal avenues between doctors, psychologists, therapists, different, there's different professionals that can assess a situation, assess a person, decide if they uh, qualify for a service animal or excuse me, an emotional support dog. This is more on that specific side of emotional support dogs. And then if they do qualify, they can put them in touch with authorities to go the correct routes, fill out the correct paperwork, have the proper certifications to prove that not only do they need this emotional support dog, but the dog itself is certified to be as such. Okay, really important. So I love that they're actually trying to regulate this more because it is going to prevent uh, bad people from trying to take advantage of it. And there are actually uh, misdemeanor offenses and more, if I'm not mistaken, uh, by people who do try to take advantage of this now. Because what you're doing is fraud. Yeah, you heard that correctly. If you try to fill out paperwork for a service or excuse me, for an emotional support dog that you don't need. You are committing fraud in the state of Florida, and I'm all I'm all for that. I love it. Uh, I think it's fantastic and phenomenal what they're doing. Now, the other side of the coin, right? The ADA rules for service dogs. Okay, if we talk about service dogs back here for a second, well, one of the rules um, stated with service dogs is people are not allowed to question your disability, and it's for privacy reasons and things like that. And I understand that to some degree. I do. However. That rule makes it very easy for someone to go, this is a service animal and I have a disability. And you're not allowed to question the disability. You're allowed to question. There's two questions you're actually allowed to ask when it comes to a service animal. And that first question is, is this a service animal required because of a disability? And the second question you're allowed to ask, and only these two questions, is what work or task has the dog been trained to perform? You are not allowed to ask the person's disability. You are not allowed to require medical documentation. You are not allowed to require a special identification card, training documentation for the dog, or ask that the dog demonstrate the ability to perform the work or task. Whew. Now, that's for a service dog, and that's under the ADA. And while to some degree I agree with that, there are so many people that try to take advantage of these rules and these laws that it's sad because it makes it easier for those people to. So... I'm kind of, uh, my person, this is just my personal opinion. I do think there should be a little more regulation and you should have to prove a little bit more. Um, look, I've seen, I've gotten phone calls for service, legitimate service dogs that have been trained by a company to perform a service, but they have behavioral issues. How is that okay? How is that service dog company allowed to take a dog, train them to be a service dog, but not work on behavior at all? According to the ADA, they actually have to be well behaved. So, uh, <laughs> That's my point is shouldn't we be certifying not only does the person need this dog, but shouldn't we certify that the dog is able to perform that task, whether it be a service animal or emotional support animal? I think so. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Look, I used to live in Orlando and I knew a lot of people that worked in the hospitality industry, a lot of people that worked in hotels, and it is a weekly regular problem of people bringing their pets to the theme parks and trying to pass it off as a service dog. I'm not kidding. I'm not even exaggerating. It happens sometimes multiple times in a week, but it's a weekly occurrence. And that's just like at one hotel. We're not talking like these giant uh, properties that have 30 hotels. It's happening way more than you realize. So unfortunately, I think we do need a little more regulation on these things because of bad people out there that are trying to take advantage. So, you know, it's important, again, to understand, though, that distinction, right? Let's go back to it. Service animals, excuse me, service dogs, they have to provide a service or a task. That's what puts them under that definition of service dog. And only service dogs are covered under the rules and laws of the ADA. 
when we get into an emotional support dog, that is to say a dog that just is there to provide support, just there to be pet and comfort and make a a person feel better through comfort. Unfortunately, at the moment, under the ADA, emotional support dogs are not covered under that law. It's a common misconception. However, each state does individually create their own guidelines, their own rules, their own laws on where and how emotional support dogs are treated and where they're allowed. So it's important that you know that distinction, you know your state's laws and rules, because again, now in the state of Florida, you are committing fraud if you are trying to pass off an emotional support dog and you shouldn't have one. Very important stuff to understand here. Now, the third thing we haven't talked about yet is a therapy dog. Therapy dog is very different, okay? very while, while it kind of goes toward emotional support dog, it's very different from an emotional support dog in the sense that an emotional support dog is meant to provide support for one individual. That dog is there for that one person as an emotional support animal. It's their emotional support animal. A therapy dog, on the other hand, is meant to provide emotional support, yes, But for many people, a therapy dog is a dog that goes into hospitals, schools, maybe retirement homes, and helps provide comfort to people who maybe need some cheering up and some happiness in their lives. And that's where an emotion, or excuse me, a therapy dog, or even therapy animals, we've heard, I'm sure you may have even heard of therapy horses, they have miniature horses that do that. And again, that's a therapy animal. It's not an emotional support dog. It's not a service dog. Those are three individual distinctions. So a therapy dog, um, they have to have a good temperament about them. They have to be calm. They have to be well-trained. They have to know how to not be overexcited. There is a certain, um, there are certain guidelines and expectations that need to be met even with something like a therapy dog. Now, I have had clients that want to make their dogs therapy dogs. I'm all about that. That's fantastic. Not every dog is cut out necessarily to be a therapy dog, but um, a lot of them are. A lot of them are, and I think it's neat when a client wants to take their training to the next level and do something different, do something fun. And not only that, do something that brings a little happiness to people's lives with animals, because that's what I'm all about. I love it. That's, that's I think, part of the reason animals are here is to bring happiness to our lives, and uh, clients that want to share that with other people, that's awesome. That really is. It's very neat. But it takes time. It takes dedication. Again, you need to be able to meet certain expectations behaviorally with your dog if you want to have your dog be a therapy dog. Now, I've had, you know, like I said, uh, I've had different experiences with therapy, emotional support, uh, uh, um, uh, service dogs in in my career. What I will say is, look, I, I know this, and this is something I, I, I'm not a service dog trainer. I don't train service dogs. I don't train emotional support dogs. I don't train therapy dogs. Can I do the good citizen? Yes, in the past, I've done the good citizen canines test and met those requirements for clients and things like that. Sure. Uh, but my day-to-day is not training service animals. Look, a service dog, a true service dog that provides a task or a service, they need to be trained from day one. They need to be trained early on, and it needs to be regimented. It needs to be consistent. And if you are interested in a service animal for your disability, I highly recommend finding a reputable service tra- service dog company that actually trains these dogs for a living, and it's all they do. Um, yes, under ADA, you are allowed to train your own service animal if you would like. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but again, I highly recommend at least getting with a professional and, and gaining a better understanding of what specific service and task you need and the best way to go about accomplishing that. Same with an emotional support dog. You know something? It, it, there, there are companies out there training these emotional support dogs to be just great, calm dogs. And they're even finding reputable breeders that can breed a good quality dog that is is very calm. Okay, so... 
don't just think just because you want your dog to be an emotional support dog that it can be, right? Service dogs, emotional support dogs, those companies fail dogs out all the time, fail dogs out of their program because the dogs just aren't cut out for it. I don't know about you guys. I'm not cut out to go be a center in the NBA. <laughs> I'm only five foot nine. I don't think I'd be a very good center in the NBA. And it's no different. Not every dog not every dog is going to be a good service animal. Not every dog is going to be a good emotional support animal. Not every dog is even going to be a good therapy dog. Okay. So it's important that you can recognize, understand that, keep a level head on when you're going about these things. If, if a service or again, if that is an avenue, you need to explore it for yourself. Um, you know, a few years ago, a few years ago, well, I mean, I've got a, I've got a few stories for you. I could tell you about emotional support and service dogs and clients wanting to to make their dogs that. Um, one of them actually, it's funny. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, I already told a story about this gentleman. Uh, he has had has whatever a, you know, I don't know. I haven't seen this guy in years. Had a German Shepherd. Uh, I told the story about this where he would walk this uh, German Shepherd that had aggressive tendencies. He'd walk it on a retractable leash and had no control, and the dog almost attacked my dogs. Well, I'll tell you, when I went for the consultation, I walked in and look, sometimes I like to do some impressions of my clients. Uh, I'll do one for you here. <laughs> uh, but I walk in for this consultation and I meet him, and he starts telling me about the dogs. We're talking, talking. And then the wife comes around the corner and she has a drink in one hand and a cigarette in the other, right? <laughs> and she looks at me and she goes, I want to train this dog to be my emotion dog, my emotional support dog. And I said, okay. I said, you want it to be an emotional support dog? And she goes, well, yeah, yes, a service, service dog. I want it to be a service dog. And I said, okay, well, this is always my question when somebody says that. First question I have for you is, what service or task will your dog be performing for you? And she looked at me like I had eight heads when I asked that. She goes, what, what do you mean? I said, well, it's a service dog. What task or service is your dog going to be performing for you? And, she, and, and you could see she's looking at me like she completely doesn't understand what I'm saying. And the husband goes, she just wants to bring the damn dog on the plane with her. I said, well, unfortunately, if your dog isn't going to be providing a service or a task, uh, I can't help you. I said, then I, I can in good conscience help you and train your dog. And she looks at me and goes, ah, and just storms off. <laughs> and I actually never saw her in the training process ever again. Surprise, surprise. So, you know, there's a lot of misinformation, misunderstandings, and maybe just a little bit of ignorance out there when it comes to service dogs and emotional therapy, emotional support dogs and therapy dogs, the rules and regulations that go along with them. You know, just remember that service dogs are just that. They have to provide a service or a task, and they are the only, um, only one of those three that is covered under the ADA guidelines, right? Has to perform a service or a task in order to be considered a service dog. Then, of course, there are the emotional support dogs. Now, emotional support dogs are not covered under the ADA to most people's surprise. However, some states have adopted certain rules and regulations that are more specifically defined to cover emotional support dogs. Then there's the third therapy dogs, and well, they're a little bit different from the first two in the sense that a therapy dog is used to comfort other people. Emotional support dog is used to comfort one individual, it's their emotional support dog, whereas a therapy dog, that's what we think of as going out to hospitals and retirement homes, and being able to just be a fun 
calm and happy dog to help comfort people. So maybe you guys got some information out of that. You understand the distinctions a little better. Again, feel free to go do some research yourself. You can Google and find all of this information on the ADA website and more. So you can check it out. And I, know, I hope you guys maybe think twice about uh, going out and trying to get your dog certified as a, an emotional support animal when maybe you shouldn't. So definitely something to think about, some food for thought. And I hope you got a little information out of that. In these crazy times we are living in right now, there is only one thing for certain. You gotta eat. And if you gotta eat, you better eat good. I know when I'm cooking and eating at home, I only want to use the highest quality ingredients. So I turn to my friend Ken Ko over at Southern Pride Gourmet Foods. You can check him out too over at southernpridegourmetfoods.com. Now they have barbecue sauces, spice rubs, hot sauces, and jellies, just to name a few. I got my hands on some of that peach habanero jelly, and I was putting it on everything. I was eating it on my toast in the morning. I also took some of Ken's barbecue sauce, slapped it on some pork, finished it off with some of that habanero jelly, stuck it in the oven, and it was sweet, tangy, spicy deliciousness. Absolutely amazing. Now, when you buy from Southern Pride Gourmet Foods, you know you're getting a quality product from a quality guy. Ken knows what he's talking about, and he better. He's been doing it right and doing it right for over 50 years. The best part, guys, Southern Pride delivers nationwide. That's right, nationwide delivery. Now, he also has amazing gift baskets, and with the holidays coming up, you're definitely going to want to get your hands on those, and definitely be sure you get your hands on some of the beef jerky Ken sells. It is some of the most delectable beef jerky I've ever tasted. I am a beef jerky fanatic all different kinds of flavors to choose from. You know, you just have to do yourself a favor. Head on over to southernpridegourmetfoods.com. Check it out for yourself. That's right, southernpridegourmetfoods.com, where everything they have is yummy for the tummy. Next up on Speak a Dogcast, it's our Breed of the Week. This week's Breed of the Week is the German Shepherd. Now, German Shepherds are a herding dog and one of the most popular dogs in the U.S. Males can come in ranging from 65 to 90 pounds, while females are 50 to 70 pounds. Now, loyal, courageous, confidence, those are all words that come to mind when we describe the German Shepherd. They're also very smart, highly intelligent, and quick to learn. The German Shepherds accelerate at a wide variety of tasks, from agility to police work, bomb sniffing, service and guide dogs, as well as they can make a great family dog as they are known for being really gentle with children. Now, early training and early socialization is a must for this breed as it will help ensure a well-adjusted and balanced dog. German Shepherd dogs, well, they're relatively healthy. You know, they only really have to worry about uh, elbow and hip dysplasia a bit, as you do with a lot of the larger breeds. And of course, they can also be susceptible to bloat. Now, the German Shepherd descends from a line of herding dogs that until the late 19th century, they varied in type from district to district. In the 1800s, a German cavalry officer named Captain Max von Stevenitz made it his goal to develop the German Shepherd into the ideal German herder. Von Stevenitz and other breeders crossed various strains from the northern and central districts of Germany, and those crosses resulted in the German Shepherd of today. Von Stevenitz also co-founded the world's first club devoted to German Shepherds, and he spent roughly 35 years promoting and perfecting the breed. German Shepherds became popular in the U.S. in the early 1900s due to the popularity of canine adventure movie stars such as Rin Tin Tin and Strongheart. 
However, the breed did suffer some decline in popularity during the World Wars as anti-German sentiment grew. In Britain, they went as far to refer to the dog by a different name. They used to call them the Alsatian, and as a matter of fact, many British dog lovers still prefer to use that name to this day. Now, with the rise of modern livestock in decline and herding livestock as a canine occupation dwindling, Von Stevenitz proudly promoted his breed as an ideal working dog. We all know this breed is still the dog of choice when it comes to military and police, and of course, they're still as popular as ever as a loving canine family companion. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and more. You can find more information by checking out our website at www.thenatureoftraining.com or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. We're located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Dogcast, it's our guest spot. And today, joining me, I have Cheryl Woodham. And Cheryl's actually one of my clients from a few years ago, and I worked with her and two of her dogs. And uh, we're going to talk about how the training process went for them. So please help me welcome to the show, Cheryl. How are you today? I'm great, David. How are you doing? Doing uh, as well as we all can. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> True. You know, yeah, good, True. good. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about your dogs. We're just going to start there. Oh, well, um, uh, how long is this segment? I just want to make sure. Anyway, uh, my, uh, I've got two Briards and a lot of people, I, I, I'm going to tell you that I've had the same conversation with probably everybody I've met that asked me what kind of dogs I have. And I'll say, I have Briards and they're like, what? <laughs> I have Briards. It's a herding dog. Oh yeah. Okay. Like they really know what I'm talking about. Um, but, uh, the, uh, I, I do have, they're large dogs for people that don't know what they are, which most people don't. They're not a very popular breed in the U S uh, more popular in, uh, in Europe. Um, but, uh, they are in the herding family. They were brought to this country by, uh, Thomas Jefferson when, uh, he was a uh, ambassador to France. He, um, was introduced to this uh, breed and he brought it back to the U.S. But um, it's Holly and Charlie. Holly is the female. Um, she is eight and a half. Uh, we've had Holly since she was about nine weeks old. Uh, and then Charlie uh, is the male. He will be five. I can't believe this, but he will be five in January. Um, and uh, they both weigh uh, Holly probably weighs about 65 charlie weighs about 70 pounds so they're big dogs and mm -hmm. i am very vertically challenged and so um <laughs> i i have to really have them in check all the time i have to be in control it's really important for me to be in control of these dogs um but 
Holly is my, she's the follower in this pack. Uh, she follows me. She follows Charlie. Uh, Charlie has learned to be a follower <laughs> That's uh -huh, <laughs> in this pack because he loves to be, he wants to be the leader yeah. so bad. Uh, but they're very different in their personalities. Charlie just basically loves being alive every day. He, uh, he can make anything a game. Sometimes even things you don't want him to make a game. So you have to really be on top of, on top of it with him. Um, but they're lovely, sweet dogs. They're not for everybody. This breed is not for everybody. Uh, but they are absolutely beautiful, and uh, I love them, and they have become much better with your help. Awesome. So um, tell me a little bit about the issues you were having before you started working with me. Oh, gee. Uh, well, like I said, Holly's always been a very timid dog ever since yeah. we got her. She just – she's not – she's not a warm cuddly kind of dog she likes to be petted but she she's very standoffish which is not unusual in this breed you know they're i don't know who you are so i'm just going to be standing over here waiting for you to for me to figure that out um but um but she also having said that when we got her as a puppy she was incredibly easy to train i mean within just a few weeks she was completely housebroken and just a, a really sweet girl. She was also an only dog for a long time. Um, but, and so she was always anxious. Then we got Charlie um, when Holly was about, let me think about that. Holly was four yeah. when we got Charlie. Um, and I will tell you that Charlie was a decision. Getting him was a decision I made with my heart and not with my head. Um, uh, the breeder had, um, this litter and I had initially told her, no, 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 I don't need a dog. Cause at the time my dad was very sick and I was going back and forth to South Carolina a lot. And then my dad passed away and the breeder called me again and said, just so you know, the person that was going to take Charlie, who wasn't Charlie at that time, the male puppy, um, can't do it because they're, they got sick, they got an accident or something, and they just, they're not going to be able physically to take a puppy. So I'm just calling you first. No pressure. Ha, ha, ha. Um, and uh, like I said, my dad had just passed away. And so that's when my heart took over and my head went to sleep. And I got the dog. Yeah. Uh, and I named him Charlie after my dad. Mm. Okay. So it's, now you get the picture, right? Yeah. Um, but he was a sweet puppy to begin with. I took him to puppy classes. I was trying to take him. I, I took him out and tried to socialize him. I was trying to follow the textbook, right? Of everything you're supposed to do only. And I was doing, I was taking all the steps. I just wasn't taking them right. <laughs> so, um, Charlie started exhibiting probably about six, between six and eight months old. He started exhibiting a lot of um, uh, aggression toward other dogs. And at the time I was still walking Charlie and Holly together. And when he couldn't get to the other dog, That's he would me. transfer that yeah. aggression to Holly. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, 
let me channel my inner dog trainer, haha, and figure this out. So I decided, okay, here's my solution. I'll stop talk. I'll stop walking them together. So what happened was when we started doing that and he would see another dog and he would get aggressive, then he transferred that aggression to me. Yep. And along about that time, thank heavens, um, a, a dear friend, a mutual friend of ours said, you need to call David. You got to call David. This is, this is his sweet spot. He gets this. He knows how to fix this. And I needed an expert in the worst possible way. And so that's when, you know, you and I uh, started talking and had a dialogue and you came and, and, you know, looked at the dogs and said, this is the way it's going to have to go. So that's how our, our journey began yes. with boot camp with Charlie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, and I appreciate that you just said, this is the way it's going to have to go. Um, just kind of touches on, you know, recently some client experiences I've had where, uh, look, some people don't like to hear the truth. And unfortunately, that's what you have to hear, whether you like it or not, whether you yeah. want to hear it or not. This is, this is, I come in and I say, look, you've been doing it this way. Clearly this isn't mm -hmm. working. Mm -hmm. So I need you to do a 180 in your thinking and do something completely different. We need to change the rules. It's going to be like this and this is how we have to fix it. Um, so I just like that you kind of said that because it really touches on that fact that, you know, my job isn't to be nice. My job is to come in and fix things and give you the truth about what's happening. And I, I remember your consultation uh, yeah. very vividly because it didn't take much <laughs> to nope. see those behaviors come out in Charlie. And I remember going for a walk and um, yeah, I remember watching him just, I mean, displace on you. And that's, that's, you know, as an owner, that's, that's disheartening. Mm -hmm. That's not what you want to see in your dog. Mm -hmm. Um and it's a tough thing to deal with sometimes. And he was a big boy. <laughs> I think he was about nine months, 10 months when I started working with him. Yeah, uh, No, he was actually was 11 little, months. 11 months? Okay, 11 months. I, I looked it up today because I was like, how long ago? <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah he's like, he had just turned 11, I mean, yeah. tw 11 months old whenever you started working with him. And, yeah. uh, or you came and started working with him and took him away to boot camp, which was, I mean, and you know what? I mean, that that's, I love my dogs to death, but, and, and that was a hard thing for me to do yes. to let you take my dog away <laughs> for two weeks, you know, like freaking out. And I think I probably <laughs> pestered you to death over those uh, yeah, two weeks. Yeah. Like, David, how's my dog today? <laughs> um, but, uh, but it was, it was necessary. And I knew, yeah. I mean, that's honestly when I kind of did let my head take over the situation and said, okay, something's got to change. Mm -hmm. And this man knows what he's doing. I do Thank not you. know what I'm doing. It's time for me to give up that control to somebody who knows what they're doing. It's phenomenal. So yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. And you know, a dog like Charlie, um, the boot camps are, for those who really don't know the details of my boot camps, uh, you know, it's it's where I actually will take the dog and they spend an extended period of time with me. And my boot camps are now a minimum two week program. Um, and sometimes a dog like that just needs a little bit of a reset button. To me, with Charlie, I don't know if something happened early on, you know, with his siblings. And it's amazing. Uh, I was just having this conversation the other day. Uh, so I've got it was a four month old puppy I was dealing with who was really standoffish and it's only four months old. And like I said, it, it just even in the first few weeks of a puppy's life, it's amazing that one traumatizing experience can kind of send them on this spiral. 
and you know most breeders yeah. have a lot of dogs in their in their care it's it's impossible mm-hmm. to be able to be aware of everything going on amongst the dynamic of the pack and being that then after that something might happen and then we pluck the dog from the pack it never allows itself to work it out and then we get these issues they get stuck in this rut and sometimes it can be difficult to to get them out of that even as a puppy um mm-hmm. so you know it's 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 one of those things where a boot camp is is uh, like I look at it like a little bit of a reset button. Sort of allows yep. me to to step back, get the dog to take a couple steps backwards, so that way we can progress forward in a more cohesive way for you and for the dog. And uh, and yeah, so it, I, I again, I also love that you were saying it was hard to take the dog. It's uh, that's the thing I'd run into every single time with the boot camp, and I can relate. Like I, people look at me like, oh, you can't take my dog, and I'm like, look, I, of all people on this planet, I get it. You know, I hate being away from my dogs. Um, I really do. I don't. Right. I, <laughs> come on, uh, they're my dogs. I don't have kids. They are. They're. They're my family. They're my dogs. Um, right. So I completely understand it. But uh, you know the the change we can make with a dog and being able to put them in, into a pack of stable dogs. It's it's really neat to be able to see those transformations. And you know I'm so glad you you gave me the opportunity and allowed me to to be able to do that. So so tell me what do you oh, think when I oh. what do you think when I brought Charlie back? You know what was your initial thought? My thought was, is that he responded beautifully to you. <laughs> that was my thought. And he did. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, I had, I had some initial success after you said, okay, this is what you do going forward. This is how you reinforce what I have done over this last couple of weeks. And I was like, okay, yeah. And I, and we did it. And, and but here is what really happened, David. And and the fact of the matter was, I you had adjusted Charlie's behavior through training and behavior modification, but you hadn't had the opportunity to do that with me yet. <laughs> That's where the difference happened. Is that. I had to behave differently. I had to approach these dogs differently because at the end of the day, they're dogs. They're not people. You can't expect them to have the same kind of responses that people do. You can't just have a conversation with them and say, you know, this behavior is really bothering me. So I think you need to stop it. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. And I think that I finally, the minute, the very moment that I made that turn. And I mean, you had told me, you had told me, you had told me, you had told me, you had told me. (laughs) So by the 55th time you had told me, it it finally began to connect in my head and said, okay, okay, okay. I am the problem perhaps now. So I need to really try to figure out how to change my behavior. So I started trying to, I think I've told you this a couple of times in the text. I'm trying to, hear your I was trying to hear your voice in my head you know? <laughs> I got a little schizophrenic but it was okay it was in a good way um trying to hear your voice in my head as I was working with the dogs and I continue to even today I continue to walk them separately um every time they go out the door sit wait every time every single time mm-hmm. there's no I I can't get lazy. I can't let down on that because these are very, well, most especially Charlie is, 
is the epitome of the breed because he is very strong willed. Mm -hmm. He's very independent thinker. And so I have to be smarter than the dog. It's not always an easy thing to do. So every time we go out the door, sit, wait. When we start the walk in the morning, down, stay. I walk away 30, 40 feet, call him, he comes. Then we start the walk. Mm -hmm. We end the walk the same way. So I, I found that, um, but I had, I have to laugh. I got to tell you a funny little story because I saw, I heard this on one of your other podcasts and we're talking about, I think it was at the dog park thing where you're talking about, you're going to, if, if you're doing something with your dog, which you know is the right way to, to handle it, um, you're going to get a lot of people that are going to come and tell you how you're supposed to work with your dog. Yep. Uh, I, I was out walking the other day and, and not to say again, Charlie is not perfect. He's far from perfect. Um, but there's a new family that have just moved into our neighborhood. So now all the dogs that Charlie has seen on a regular basis, he doesn't react to, even if they react to him, mm -hmm. he doesn't react because he knows them. He knows who they are. He knows what's coming. That's it. And I, I can handle the situation a lot better. Mm -hmm. But the other day, this new guy with a little Jack Russell Terrier comes around the corner and I didn't have, I had no idea he was coming. So Charlie barked at him. So I got Charlie across the street, corrected him, got him across the street, put him down in the in the driveway across the street from where they were in a down stay. Charlie's quiet. The guy begins to give me all kinds of, you know, you really should get a shock collar for that dog. <laughs> I had a dog like that once, and I got a shock collar for him. And I'm, and I'm standing there saying, dude, I've got the dog in a down stay. He barked He's at your dog. Control. I corrected him. He's over here. He's being nice and quiet. I'm in control. I don't think I need that. <laughs> I don't need – I appreciate where you're coming from i think but i don't think i need that so um so that's another thing i wanted to say about your podcast too david is that i've enjoyed it so much because it's a refresher course for me i pick up things that you've told me you know over the time and i'm like ah, i need to start that again Love i need it. to do that again Love it. And so it really, really does. It makes a lot of difference. You do put your head in the right spot because now when I'm walking my dogs, I don't let anything distract me. It's just me and them. And we're communicating mostly through the lead, yep. right? Because that's how you can communicate through them the best without the extra words. Because I remember you telling me, stop talking so much. <laughs> um, I mean, I know everybody now can hear that I do talk a lot. Um, but, but it does make a big difference in my connection with them, my ability to communicate properly with them, my ability to see something coming and correct it before it even happens. That is a big difference in our lives. And consequently, the dogs are happier and we're happier. Everybody's awesome. happier. Say, that's what you do. You spread happiness. I love that. <laughs> You're like, you're like making me tear up a little. I love it. You know, this is, look, this is, this, this is why I like to do what I do. Um, right. Is making a difference, not only in dogs' lives, but in people's lives. Um, right. That's, thank you. I mean, really, that's, you're, it's nice to hear that. I really appreciate that. Uh, yeah. Wow. Well, you, you're, you're deserving of it because I mean, it does, it, it is very different around here than it was. We, we don't have chaos anymore. Nice. Love it. Which I love good. it. That's so cool. Oh, man. And then not only that, you know, Holly and, and Charlie, they actually started joining me for doggy day camps as well. Uh, and it wasn't just they the did. boot camp, right? We had the 
of course, we had the boot camp. And then after my boot camps, we do some in-home follow-up training. And then uh, a great way to keep them, because, of course, what was Charlie's biggest issue? Other dogs. Um, so it was a great right. way to keep him socialized. And even, I mean, you know, we, this was back um, when I was in Orlando, actually. So, unfortunately, they don't come to mm-hmm. doggy day camp anymore. I wish they did. Uh, I but uh, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously, you guys can see why I miss our com- weekly conversation, Cheryl, because this was yeah, yeah. Yeah, too much fun. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you well, know. Well, actually... Actually, you know, you taught Charlie how to swim. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He that's never right. Went to, he never went that's to right. the pool, and you taught him how to swim. And now I can't keep him out of the pool. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we got to work on the uh, the release, right? So release at the front door. Exactly. You can, yeah, we can. You can transfer that. Take the leash. You know, leash him up around the pool. Teach him to leave it uh, around the pool. Use treats for walking away and ignoring the pool. And before you know it, you can start controlling that a little better. But uh, yeah, we can we can talk more about yeah. that. <laughs> He does. He doesn't. He doesn't jump in. Uh, he doesn't jump in when I don't want him to jump okay. in. He okay. he knows he's he got just to go by it. the pool, and I'll let him know. Okay. He just loves it. Nice. And if we have pool parties and we have people over here, he'll swim. He'll get in and swim around everybody on the rafts. He makes a little obstacle course. It's hilarious. <laughs> everybody loves it. That's awesome. That's fantastic. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, by the you know by the end of the doggy day camps, he was actually starting to play with the other dogs a little, and yeah. and definitely come out of his shell more. So uh, it was really nice yeah. to see that, and that's so cool. Wow. Oh man, really neat. Really, really neat. Yeah, oh. yeah. It's a really su- it's a success story. I yeah. mean, they're really it's great, and I mean, it's I'm I'm happy that you wanted me to come and tell this story because I think people need to hear this story, and I think they oh. need to hear it not so much about what what you did with the dogs, but what you did with me, making me see things from a different perspective, because like I said, I have to treat them like dogs because they are dogs and they respond so much better when when you you treat them that way. You know? Yeah. It's, I, I love, there were so many things you said today that uh, if you're listening to this, you need to take some notes, especially if you're planning <laughs> on being a client, because man, it, it, you just hit so many different issues just in the past few weeks I've been dealing with, with individual clients. And it's, it's incredible. Um, I, t- you know, I've actually, I've started making it part of the process now when I walk into somebody's home. Um, and I don't know if I, I don't think I was quite saying this maybe not as bluntly as I do now, <laughs> but when I walk in, I, I straight up tell people, look, my job is, to, you know, my job is to be honest. I don't sugarcoat things. I'm going to say things you don't like. You need to deal with that. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. Second thing is, like I said earlier, you need to do everything completely different. Uh, you need to be ready to do a 180 with everything you've been doing. And if you're not, this isn't going to work. Uh, you know, I try to sure. be. And again, and I've noticed, you know, again, the more honest I am, let's be, let's be realistic. Dogs don't bull, excuse my language. Sorry. I probably not allowed to say that. I'm going to have to edit that. Uh, (laughs) This is a family friendly show, but it's true. Dogs don't BS. Animals don't BS. There's no lying. You know, Steve Irwin, and I don't have the exact quote, but Steve Irwin always said, I trust a crocodile more than I trust a human being. Because a crocodile, when I walk in with him, I know his intent. He wants to kill me. A human being says they're your best friend and right. then turn around and stab you in the back. Uh, <laughs> so I have to it's be true. honest with my clients because my clients have to be honest with their animals and honest with themselves. Uh, and if they're not, mm-hmm. that's that's when we get some behavioral issues sometimes. Or maybe we have issues that came yeah. from when they were young and we're not able to deal with them because we're not being honest about how we're approaching it, what we're seeing, and, and how we're going to go about working with it, you know? 
Um, right. So yeah, you right. just you hit so many amazing points uh, that I, I can't even like begin to stress the, how awesome that was. Uh, <laughs> you just hit literally every little thing. Um, so yeah, it's it's a matter of not just changing a dog. It's a, I, I say I've got two learning curves. I got to teach a dog. I got to okay. teach a human every time. Every time. Yep. Uh, look, yep. if I take somebody's dog for eight months and train them for eight months in my care, sure, I could hand that dog back and they'd be perfect for you. But the reality is it's a few weeks of training and conditioning versus usually uh, at least a couple months, bare minimum, of undesired behaviors that have been patterning. So if I have a couple months versus a few right. weeks, it's going to take that commitment on the part right. of the owner to, to follow through and work. So that's, that's awesome. It's just so much good stuff there. Wow, really cool. Really, Good. really cool. I Good. see. I miss you, Sharon. I miss you and Ronnie and everybody up there so much. Um, I know. Don't get me we wrong. miss you too, well, David. I can, I've got so many people I would love to refer you to, but I, it's, yeah. you know, you're far away now, and it's just, it's really, it gets really difficult. But we talk yeah. about you all the time. Oh, well, thank you. We do. You. We talk about you all the time, and yeah, and oh. and every time I go and see the groomer, I take them still to the same groomer, Kiki, and I think. She has a lot of clients that you train their dogs, yeah. you know, yeah. over the years. Sure. Uh, and so she's at, she asks about you a lot. Say, how's he oh. doing? And I was like, I think he's doing great. So tell her tell her about the podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to. Yeah. I haven't seen her. Uh, I'm going to be seeing her shortly, so I will definitely tell awesome. her about. It. I'm going to put it out on my Facebook. Beautiful. That Beautiful. it's out there. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's great. Oh, yeah. man, I really appreciate that. That's so great. And I know you even see my parents from time to time, uh, you know, through mutual I friends. I do occasionally. And, yeah. I don't well, see them not, very well, often. Well, no tailgating. I see your dad more than I see your mom. Yeah. Well, and no tailgating <laughs> right. this year. So that's a part of it. You know, I'm sure, you know, I think, I think my parents only went up to one game yeah. this year. And I don't know. Yeah. I know Brian and Jill are up there and they're diehards. <laughs> oh, they went you can't, to every You home can't game, stop every Brian. Home game. Nothing would stop him. You can't. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, yeah. because he's been to every home game since he was in school there. Has he really? Every home. No he's kidding. Not I didn't know his, that. Yeah, he has not missed one. Not one home game has he missed wow. in all these years. So, I mean, it's kind of a record now that he just yeah, will not yeah, I'd say so. to be broken. <laughs> well, I, no. that makes perfect sense now. No, I had no idea. That's actually really, really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's a go, major commitment on Go Gators. <laughs> go Gators. I love it. Yeah, that's what kind of fans Gators. we got. They're, they're having... Yeah, they're having a good year this year, too. They're they are. Really they are. You know, uh, arguably, a lot of people are unhappy with the defense. But, hey, this isn't a sports podcast, so we won't go too much into that. But Well, <laughs> yeah, but they're still managing to win games. They are. And that is, it, is so amazing. And isn't that all that matters at the end of the day, I guess? You know, it's yeah. winning. So, hey, yeah. if you pull out the W, then yeah. I'm, I, I guess I should be happy. Uh, you guys, yeah. all, right, all right, I don't want to jinx this. Go Gators. I'm all right with it. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got it. Oh, my gosh. Well, hey, I really, really appreciate, uh, of course, you coming on and, and all the kind words. That was that was really just too nice. And, um, you know, I'm so glad you've had such great success with your dogs and and continue to have great success, of course. And, you know, if you get any dogs in the future, I'm, I'm still there for you and you're going to give me a call. So you bet. Um, absolutely. Oh, you bet. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. You'll be the first person I call. Awesome. Well, it's definitely. like, OK, David, I'm thinking about getting a puppy and let you talk me out of it. <laughs> We'll see what it is, what kind of breed, what state of mind you're in, and then we'll kind of go from there. But yeah, ex I'll be your I'll be your emergency call, right? When there's too much Tito's flowing and you're thinking about getting a puppy, you remember keep me on speed like, dial. Oh, like <laughs> you give me a call. Let me call David. 
Yeah, but the thing, the problem is, I might tell you to get the puppy. See, there's there's the problem. I might actually tell you to do it. So. <laughs> Oh man. Well, I'll train it and and then all will be well. So, all good. All good. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah. I have already decided that if I if I do get another dog, it's going to be a purse-sized dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's at that point. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Well, hey, again, thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate your time and You're uh, welcome. Yeah, it was fun. It was this so was much a fun. Lot of it was fun. great. That was great. It. And yeah. Hey, you know what? This just so you know, this is my first Zoom. I've never zoomed before, so you're my first Zoom. Hey, how person. about that? Well, you did it very I have to give you credit. Yeah, you I would never know. <laughs> Usually yeah, you know. Never zoomed so. before. <laughs> <laughs> well, good job. I got to give you a big uh, applause on that one. That was Thank great. You. Awesome. All right. Well, hey, we're going to catch up again soon and uh, okay. we'll talk and stay safe and uh, to give, yep, give Ronnie too. and the dogs my best. Yeah. And hi awesome. to Jen. Yeah, Tell absolutely. her to hang in there. She's yep. going to she's going to ace this. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Cheryl. All right. Thanks so much. Take care. Take care. Bye. I hope you're enjoying Speak a Dog Cast so far. Don't forget to click that subscribe button. Give us a rating or a review and let us know what you think. If you have any questions for the Q&A segment, you can email us at questions at speakadogcast.com. Next on Speak a Dogcast, we have a brand new segment. This segment's going to be called Dog Hero, and that is either a dog that has been a hero or a person that's been a hero to a dog. Today, it's going to be the latter. We're going to talk about a gentleman by the name of Richard Wilbanks. Now, the 74-year-old lives in Lee County, Florida, and he is being hailed as a hero for valiantly saving his puppy from the jaws of an alligator. Oh, worst nightmare of every dog owner in Florida. But luckily, this story has a happy ending. Yes, the dog is okay. Mr. Wilbanks is okay. And wow, what a crazy story. Now, for those of you who haven't heard about it yet, it did make national news a little bit. And of course, it's all over the news in Florida. Uh, but Mr. R- Mr. Wilbanks was actually just enjoying the sun on a beautiful Florida day when he heard his new puppy Gunner crying out from the backyard. And he ran back there and discovered that in the pond he has back there, an alligator had actually leapt out, grabbed his new puppy, and dragged it into the water. Now, Mr. Wilbanks is an avid hunter. He reacted quickly. He jumped into the pond, grabbed the small alligator, pulling it and prying its jaws apart, saved his dog Gunner so he could get away. And his dog is a three-month-old Cavalier, uh, Cavalier King Spaniel. And the dog escaped. Now, amazingly, there was surveillance video of this whole thing. Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation, uh, they've actually been putting trail cams in strategic locations in residents' backyard and things like that to try to capture wildlife and better be able to track them, understand them, and be able to educate the public more. And I would say it paid off very well in this instance uh, because it caught the whole thing. And amazingly, Mr. Wolbanks, if you watch the video... He has a cigar in his mouth the whole time and never even drops it like a true Floridian. Uh, (laughs) Now, a two to three foot alligator, uh, maybe not the largest gator out there. However, alligators are really powerful. Even that small, it's incredible what kind of punch they pack in that jaw. So really an amazing story. Now, quoting Mr. Wilbanks, he said it was just a shock. It happened so fast. Instinct just took over and adrenaline kicked in, and I just went right into the water after Gator and Gunner. Of course, that's the reaction we all hope we'll have if something, God forbid, ever were to happen like that. Uh, But what an amazing story. What an amazing rescue. 
Now, those of you that don't live in Florida, you may not be aware, but there's kind of a, a little rule we all live by in this state, and that is if there is a standing wa- a body of water nearby, well, then there's a pretty darn good chance there's an alligator in it. And look, I'd go as far to say as there's a 90% chance or greater that there is an alligator in that body of water, and it's important that we understand and respect that. We do live among these creatures, we are encroaching upon their environment, and it's something in the state of Florida and a lot of parts of the South uh, you have to live with. And again, you have to have a respect for them, and they'll have more of a respect for you. But the best way to avoid gator attacks is to stay out of the water at dawn and dusk. That's when gators do tend to feed the most, but quite frankly, I would just stay out of the water at night altogether as well. So if you can avoid being around the water at those times with dogs or small children, that's the best and safest way to ensure gators stay in their environment and we stay in ours. However, in those instances, well, I hope if I ever get into one of those scenarios, I hope I can react as fast and as heroic as Mr. Wilbanks did. So hats off to you, sir. Thank you so much for being a dog hero, and we all appreciate what you did for your puppy. Speak Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. First question today comes from Angie in Palm City, Florida. Angie says, My friends are telling me that I'm not stern enough when I call my dogs to come to me, but my dogs listen to me most every time. Should I be changing anything and am I doing anything wrong? Short answer, well Angie, no, to me it doesn't sound like you're doing anything wrong. Um, You know, when I call my dogs, I want to sound happy. (laughs) Uh, I I get that some people, you have to be stern with your dog. You know, my favorite saying is, don't be mean, just mean it. You can sound very happy and excited and still mean it. Um, But to me, it's if I'm trying to get my dog to come to me, the last thing I want to do is sound upset. I want the dog to be thinking that it's happy and it's a fun thing to come over to me. So when I call my dogs, I try to go, hey guys, come here, come on over. I don't go, hey, come here. Let's go. Come on. Because which one do you want to listen to? Next question. This comes from Tom in Orlando, Florida. Tom asks, how do I stop my parents' dogs from jumping all over the tables? Short answer, stop inviting your parents' dogs over to your house, Tom. No, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, No, unfortunately, your parents are going to have to want that behavior to stop first. And in my experience... Well, your parents may not want to listen to you. (laughs) They don't really like to take advice from their children, no. But uh, really, it's a matter of redirecting their behavior and creating a healthy separation between the kitchen and eating areas with your dog. A dog bed and teaching your dog to go to place, teaching the dog bed as a place, can be a useful tool for redirecting them away from the tables. Next question. This is from Sam in Jacksonville, Florida. Sam asks, My dog grazes for food all day, and I feel like he still doesn't eat enough. What can I do to get him to eat more? Short answer, don't leave the food down. It's pretty simple. Dogs, if they were in the wild, food doesn't just present itself and stay there. For that matter, any predator, food does not just present itself and stay there. It's unnatural for food to be on the ground and stick around all day. So the best thing you can do, put the food down, give your dog three to five minutes to eat. If they don't, take the food away. Doesn't come back again until the next meal time. You can also decrease the amount of food you've been giving them. That way they start to condition and practice a pattern of eating all of it first. Then once they start eating all of it, you can take their diet back up to normal levels. 
Don't forget, if you have any questions for the Q&A, you can email me, questions at speakadogcast.com. That'll wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in and a very special thank you to my client, Cheryl Woodham, for joining on the guest spot. What an awesome time that was. If you guys like what you hear, don't forget to click subscribe. Make sure you give me a rating or review. Let me know what you think. And if you have any questions for the listener Q&A, email me, questions at speakadogcast.com. In the meantime, have a wonderful week and don't forget to get out there and walk your dog. Walk your dog.